Hello and welcome to St Matt's Church. St Matt's is a warm and welcoming church situated in High Brooms on the edge of Tunbridge Wells here in Kent. You may find out more about our church by visiting our website www.stmatschurch.org.uk Jesus welcomed everyone that came to him and we want to follow his example. So we extend a warm welcome to everyone, young or old, male or female, parent or child, you are all very welcome. No matter what your circumstances, we want to encourage you to join us, be that physically in the building, via our Facebook page, YouTube channel or through these podcasts. You are very welcome. This autumn, we have a series of talks about finding God in different stages of life. And today we hear Richard speak on finding God after work. Lord, we just pray that you would open our ears so that we may hear your voice. Open our minds so we receive your eternal wisdom. Open our spirits so that we may know your leading and your guidance. And Lord, just open our hearts so that we may receive your wonderful love. Amen. I seem to have brought a library with me this morning. <laughs> Apologies for that, but that's the way I am. A bit old-fashioned when it comes to that sort of thing. But a very good morning to you all. Let's begin with a prayer. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your holy word. As we come now to read it, to hear what you are saying to us, and to grow in our Christian lives, we pray, Lord, that you will speak to us this morning into our hearts by the power of your spirit, and in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, first of all, a a little word about myself and and, uh, a little bit of an introduction. Um, I think probably most of you know by now that I'm Richard and I'm a retired clergy person who has come back to Tunbridge Wells. And I can remember, I think probably the first ever sermon that I preached was in the pulpit that used to stand over there. (laughs) It's gone. Well, uh, a, f- a few weeks ago, when I was on messing around on Facebook, as, as I do from time to time, quite a lot of time, um, I came across a little ditty that I thought would be absolutely perfect for this sermon this morning. And so when I was preparing the other day, I've, I looked up this, this thing, or at least I tried to. Um, I had saved it to my timeline, but uh, when I came to look for it, it had gone Oh, so I'm very sorry about that. There will be no funny little ditty to open the sermon this morning. Um, I suspect it was time limited and it deleted itself. Now, what I'm going to talk about today is a lot of stuff about what to do is not a lot of stuff about what to do and what not to do in retirement. And I'm because I'm aware that not everyone here is retired, um, about to retire or even thinking about retirement. 
So what I want to do this morning is to draw attention uh, to my own experiences, through my own experiences, to come up with a few things that might be helpful for everyone uh, to understand a bit better what uh, the situation is and uh, perhaps help to explain what it's like to be retired and also to give some tips for general Christian living. And I don't have all the answers. I'm not an expert in being retired. And my experience of retirement will be very different to your experience of retirement. For one thing, I was a vicar in full-time Christian ministry, luckily getting paid to do a job that I really loved. But already I've made a classic mistake by referring to my job as being in full-time Christian ministry. For let me tell you uh, that all Christians are in full-time Christian ministry, without exception. Whether like me, employed by God, this, this is the definition of being a, a clergy person, is that you are employed by God, paid a living allowance by the church called a stipend, and uh, by the way, considered a self-employed by the taxman. Work that one out if you can. Or whether you work, out on, work on the checkout at ASDA, or whether you teach, or whether you're raising a family, or queuing at the unemployment office, we are all, every single one of us, in full-time Christian ministry. Just for some of us, we exercise our ministry in a slightly different way, set apart by God for a particular role within the church. We may not feel especially called by God to Christian ministry, but as Christians, God calls us to serve him where he has placed us. Where you are, there the church will be. The church is not a building. It's not a building. This building just happens to be a convenient place to meet in. The church is where Christians are. So where you are in your daily life, where you are tomorrow on Monday, as we talked a little bit about earlier in the day, that's where the church is because you are there. You make a difference. You are in full-time Christian ministry. And I think that's a good point to, to begin from, really. Uh, for, uh, we may not feel especially called by God for Christian ministry, but as Christians, God calls us to serve him where he has placed us. And I began my working life at Barclays Bank in the city of London. And yes, I did eventually recognize and respond to God's call to a specific ministry. But until then, I served God in Barclays Bank. Perhaps uh, it would be better if some of the others who worked for Barclays Bank served God there as well. Uh, I don't mean that flippantly because uh, I, I often found myself as being the only Christian in a particular branch where I was working. And uh, believe me, it was quite a, uh, an experience. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about that today. Uh, perhaps, too, it would be uh, a little bit more, it would help to be a little bit more clearer about what retirement is. I worked from the age of 18 through to 66 and a half without much of a break. But a good friend of mine who worked for BT initially climbed up telephone poles and eventually he moved up in the ranks of BT's international division. Until one day, BT had to go through a slimming down exercise and my friend was offered voluntary redundancy, the terms of which were quite generous in those days. He thought long and hard about it, decided it was an offer that he couldn't refuse, and he took it, effectively retiring at the age of 42. 
He hasn't worked a day since. Or has he? David's been a JP, the treasurer of his church. He serves on the General Committee of Urban Saints, formerly Crusaders. He's quite high up in Kent Athletics. He acts as an independent examiner for a number of churches and charities. He, is, he was on the governing body of Bennett Memorial School and no doubt a host of other things. I just remembered as well this morning that he uh, was treasurer for Spring Harvest on a couple of their uh, events. He also goes on at least three cruises every year. <laughs> now that's a lifestyle for you. Not many of us will have that, that particular opportunity. Um, quite a lifestyle. Another instance I know of, a friend of mine from Wilmington uh, took early retirement on medical grounds at the age of 32 and hasn't had paid employment since. And you cannot assume retirement at 65 anymore. Um, some will be working on beyond that date, and some will have retired earlier. And just because someone has retired early might not be something that they've particularly wanted or welcomed. But we can sort of conclude that you retire from the job you've been doing, and that can be at any age. So what changes when you retire? For me, perhaps the biggest thing uh, and that ultimately I found most difficult to cope with was the fact that overnight I'd gone from being a busy parish priest with a lot of responsibilities and in touch with everything going on locally at diocesan level and beyond, receiving lots of emails and communications daily, don't miss that, um, constant, constant phone calls to precisely nothing. One day I was doing everything, the next day nothing. Suddenly I felt remote and cut off, knowing nothing of what was going on, totally out of the loop. The bishop insists that for the first six months of retirement you have a complete break and don't take on any responsibilities, and I found that really hard. I felt unwanted and unneeded, despite feeling that I still had so much to offer. And I suspect that's what many people experience on the day after retirement, when they wake up and realise that they don't have to get up and hike off to the office. But you also miss the people that you work with and the friends that you've made over the years and the routines around which your life was built. Suddenly, all gone. And I had an added complication that clergy are not allowed to retire and remain living in the parish in which they have served. The unwritten rule being that you should move at least 10 miles away. There are reasons for that, and I'll happily share those with you later if you really want to know. But we need to move on. And the upshot was that I had to find somewhere else to live. And like a lot of clergy, uh, I had not been able to buy a house owing to the relatively low level of church stipends. Uh, and I had only one income coming in and four dependent children. Fortunately, the church does have a scheme to help people like me and I was able back to move back to Tunbridge Wells four years ago and rent a house from the Church of England Pensions Board at a favourable rent. Had I had to pay the full commercial rate, I've no idea how I would have coped. Another change that might cause some tension and stress is to do with your relationship with your partner. They might still be working if your ages are not quite the same, and the fact that you're lazy, still lazing in bed while your partner has to get up and go to work might be a bit difficult to deal with. 
Or if a partner has been at home most of the time while you've been at work, they might struggle with the concept that suddenly you're going to be around all day long. It's something that needs thinking about, talking through, planning for, and praying about, preferably together. <laughs> and seeking help if tensions do arise. Now let's assume that you've retired, and after a few days the novelty has worn off. At first every day seems like a weekend. No work, no responsibility, no need to be anywhere or do anything in particular. That's fine. But eventually you have to move on. The honeymoon period is over. And now what are you going to do next? I found that the plans and hopes I had had for retirement ended up somewhat in the trash can. You know, the saying goes that uh, man plans and God laughs. And that happened to me. For one thing, when I moved back to Tunbridge Wells, I unexpectedly had a companion, my middle daughter, who was going through something of a crisis at the time, and for the first two years of being here, needed my support. And being retired, I was able to give her the support and love that she needed. And I think the message here is that just because you retire, and my screen won't move up, there we go. Oh dear, it's doing all kinds of weird things now. Technology. Just because you retire, the problems and anxieties don't miraculously disappear overnight. They just become a bit different. And children will always be a source of many anxieties, however grown up they are now. And you find yourself on a reduced income, as I did. And that leads to money worries, as we've heard about so much in the last few months. And to stories of pensioners afraid to put the heating on for fear of what it will cost. Then there are increasing health issues and concerns as you get older. At 70, I'm thankful that I'm still in reasonably good health and able to do pretty much all that I want to. But COVID has called ha caused havoc uh, in our society in the last couple of years, and it's still very much on the agenda and around. I managed to avoid it for a long time until in May, I went on a short break to Scotland and came back with COVID. Thank you, Scots people. <laughs> Any here this morning? <laughs> <laughs> there won't be for much longer. Um, I came back with COVID, it's still a worry. My advice would always be, if you have any health issues, to go and seek advice and assistance from your GP. That's if you can get an appointment. Um, or, dare I say it, get people to pray for you. And it's amazing. I, the number of answers I've had to prayer in these last four years since I've been retired, just bringing them to God and asking others to pray for you is such, uh, such a great thing. Great, such a great privilege as Christians to be able to do that. Now, what have I done since retirement? Well, firstly, I've asked God to show me what I should be doing with all this time I suddenly have on my hands. Every time I pray that prayer, it's as if God has been waiting for me to pray. Almost immediately, I will hear of a new need. I went to a clergy retreat, and lo and behold, there was a word of a church not far from here, which is about, or has just started going into an interregnum. Um, that's in between vicars. And uh, they needed help. And the result being that I should be taking a number of services over the next few weeks, between now and Christmas, at that church. So look out for opportunities to serve God and to help others. 
My job is one that after that initial six-month period that I mentioned earlier, I'm able to continue to do, with the bishop's permission, uh, stuff for as long as I'm able. And the Church of England is pretty reliant on retired clergy at the moment. I'm fortunate to have that opportunity, and it does bring in a little extra income. Perhaps a small part, part-time job is something you could do or consider, or voluntary work, such as helping out at the community larder, something I've been doing for a while. It all helps to keep us active, meeting people, exercising the brain cells, and making a difference in people's lives. There are many opportunities out there for volunteers, but if you try something and it doesn't work out, don't worry about it. It just means that God has something else for you to do. I became a school, school governor for a while, uh, briefly, and I'd done it for a while back in, the, back in the days when I was in Wilmington, thinking I'd be able to do it again quite easily, but found that everything had changed, and it was so totally different that I was out of my depth, and after just a year I had to throw the towel in, and that obviously wasn't for me at the time. Of course, I can't go much further without mentioning the importance of having an interest or a hobby to pursue in retirement. My problem is that I have too many hobbies. But principally, as many of you know, I've got myself uh, well and truly involved at the Spa Valley Railway at the Old West Station, where I'm now a fully qualified station master. Should have brought my hat. And it's about meeting people, having great conversations about the Christian faith with fellow volunteers and with uh, the general public. And a whole new area of ministry has opened up for me. It keeps me active, and I was going to say fit, but that's probably going a bit too far. However, we, have, we did get a dog. And for three years now, I've been walking, taking Bonnie for long walks, and that helps to keep me fit a bit. But what about you? Do you have a hobby? Do you have something that, to keep you from being a couch potato? Would you like to know more about volunteering at the Spa Valley Railway? <laughs> See me afterwards. But now as we come to, to Interland, um, at that same clergy quiet day that I mentioned earlier, led by the Archdeacon of Tunbridge, uh, she pointed us to some words that appear in the Book of, the, of Common Prayer called the Comfortable Words. I always think that's a bit of a misnomer because comfortable words sounds as though it's, it means feeling all warm and gooey inside or sitting warm and cosy on the couch with that mug of chocolate. Here, comfortable words means words of comfort, bringing words of comfort to troubled souls. Souls needing reassurance and truth in difficult times. Maybe that's you today. And I often think that as you get older, the more anxious and worried we become. And this is a simple reminder of biblical truth that we can hold on to through the difficult times that we face. The problem is that too often we do not bring our worries to Jesus at the foot of the cross, whereas if we did so, life would be so much easier and leaning on Jesus to give us support. Let me read these comfortable words to you. Hear the comfortable words that our Saviour Christ saith unto all that truly turn to him. I'm reading from the Book of Common Prayer. Come unto me all that travail and are heavy laden, 
and I will refresh you. That's a promise from God. You know, if we, if we take the time and, the, and use the opportunity to bring our needs, our worries, our concerns, the people we love, to Jesus in prayer, then he says, if you're burdened down with these things, I will refresh you. That's his promise to us today. And it goes on, so God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And sometimes that's what we need to hear, that reminder that through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, we have eternal life. And that as Christians, because we believe in him, we can share in that promise of eternal life. Here also what St. Paul says, this is a true saying and worthy of all to be received, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Sinners. Who are sinners? You and me. We all make mistakes. We all sin. We fall short of the glory of God. But he has promised forgiveness to all who truly turn to him. Then it says, here also Watson John says, if anyone sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation, that's a lovely long word, I love that word, propitiation for our sins. It means that through Jesus, he intercedes with us to, for us to God, our sins are forgiven, and we be can begin a new life. And sometimes, in retirement, as the years go by, we can find or feel ourselves away from God, but he will come into our lives to set us free and to put us on that new path. And finally, last but not least, I remembered as I was walking the dog this morning, a uh, song that was written by Graham Kendrick quite a long time ago, 1994 it says, I don't think we sing it very often these days. Don't sing any Graham Kendrick often these days. But it, was the, it goes like this, and uh, I'll just read the first verse. For the joys and for the sorrows, for the best and worst of times, for this moment, for tomorrow, for all that lies behind, fears that crowd around me, for the failure of my plans, for the dreams of all I hope to be, the truth of what I am, for this... I have Jesus. For this, I have Jesus. For this, I have Jesus. Amen.
His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you, He is for you. Ah. 